Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my equal firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash swish. Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. Swish and Flick. Hello and welcome to a Scamander Story episode of Swish and Flick. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. I'm Sarah. And today we are coming at you with our interpretations of theories for crimes of Grindelwald. So stay tuned and theorize along with us. What did we witness and what will we see in the next films? First, I am going to tell you my reactions to seeing the movie because you didn't get to hear them in the last Commander stories. Yes. I think it's hysterical. I should just write random things in here and you're going to read it because you verbatim just read what I wrote. I could be like, Sarah's the coolest and you're going to read it. I would read it. I'm like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What's the teleprompter say? I'll read it. I'll read anything. Do it next cool. time. Yeah. So what was my reaction? Well, I liked it. First of all, did you like the movie? <laughs> yes. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was good. Um... It gave me feels, the WB symbol, at the beginning. I melted into my chair one time. <laughs> I believe I hit you a lot. So I know you cried when you saw the WB. I did. It just, I yeah. just love it. It just brings me back, you know? I do believe, towards the end, when you melted, you also said, I did Kermit arms. I did do Kermit arms. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, so- it was awesome. But, like, how do you feel about all the information you were told? Like, about who Credence is and, like, I don't know, the big things. Nagini. I almost called him Jude Law. What's his name in the movie? Dumbledore. Oh, God. <laughs> What's going on? So, I, I, don't, I don't mind Credence being a Dumbledore. I think it would be really interesting. And I definitely need to know all the deets about how that came about. Um, especially since we heard nothing of it in the Potter story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, before you go on, I do want to point out, we're going to do two parts of this. So we're going to oh, talk yeah, about yeah. Credence more in the second part. But I think that like all of us are in agreement that like he's a Dumbledore. At least yeah. I think he's a Dumbledore. Yeah, I don't I mean, know like in what form he's a Dumbledore, but like he's mm-hmm. definitely connected somehow to the Dumbledores. Mm-hmm. Whether he's... Like, I don't, I don't think he can be, it's impossible for him to be a full brother to uh, Albus, I think. But that doesn't mean that, just because he's a Dumbledore doesn't mean that he's a brother. I think that, like, and again, like, yeah, we'll go more in depth with this in the next episode, but, like, just because Grindelwald said brother, like, he used that term in other places in the film. Like, could be a broad term. Right, it's a pretty broad term. Yeah. So, like, it could be... Uh, just like a relative in any way, I think, or just a form that's connected to a Dumbledore. Hmm. I don't know. That's kind of the theory I'm leaning towards, but yeah. 
What about Queenie, Tiffany? Queenie, oh, my heart breaks for her because, I mean, you can just feel her emotion within that whole entire movie, and she is so torn. And I think it's interesting that this gets, like, brought up, especially since we did those um, episodes, like, about the Salem Witch Trials and the International Statute of Secrecy and how, you know, how different it was between between, like, European wizards and American wizards, and she wants to go against it, and Jacob's just not having it, and he just won't leave. And and it, it I'm like, I love you, but why wouldn't you just go? Yeah, I don't know. I think that, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I have got some pretty cool Queenie theories uh, in this doc that I didn't honestly even read about until today, and they're pretty awesome. I had some, like, in the back of my mind to begin with, but, like, dive, like, just doing a Google search of Queenie Theories, Crimes of Grindelwald, was pretty mm-hmm. interesting, and, like, her connection with Jacob and, like, how Jacob reacts, and yeah. I think, unfortunately, for Queenie in this film, she got probably the heavy-handed cut of David Yates with a lot of information that was taken out about her, is my guess, And I think that her character development really suffered in this film because of, I'm sure, things that got cut or things that just, like, didn't get included even from the original screenplay, like, showing. I think that we missed out on a lot of character development for her, which is why some people are really confused. But I'm sure that it'll be answered and we'll learn more about it later. Uh, At least I hope so. Yeah, and that's that's something that I've not read the screenplay yet. I'm planning on reading it over my Christmas break, which I will be on when this airs. <laughs> and so I want to see what kind of tidbits are in there that got cut, but there's nothing. Uh, they edited nothing. the screenplay before they released it. It matches the movie. Yeah, yeah. like there's nothing um are that you I kidding? remember reading that wasn't in the movie. Is that like said somewhere too or did you guys just figure that out on your own? I think that people, I haven't read it yet, but that's, I've heard from multiple people. You've heard. Um, that they say that nothing, uh, nothing you know what? out of the ordinary the is that in sucks. there. Yeah. That straight up sucks because, you know, when you have somebody who's going to cut stuff like that, like, we need everything because Joe intended us to have what she wrote, correct? Right. Yeah, so I would I think so. I understand yeah. how these things go through. Here's where I'm getting heated. Give me all the details, because now how am I going to figure stuff out? Because I don't have a novel of this, and I can't fill in the blanks. It's all a movie. So whatever you need me to know, your subtleties or whatever, I I, I don't have them all, because you didn't give them all to me. Yeah, yeah. That that makes me mad. The one one thing with me that, um, at the very beginning, when you see that guy when they're in the meeting with, like, Newt and his brother and the other oars, you feel like you're supposed to know who that is, and I'm like, I have no idea. And then reading it, I was like, oh, it tells you in the screenplay he's a beast hunter. That would have been relevant information. And been like, oh, that's why Newt hates him so much, because he's hunting beasts and killing them and capturing them. a stinking name tag that says beast hunter. Like, if you're not going to give me (laughs) something else. God. I, yeah, and, like, I know that a lot of people want to point the blame on these kind of things on Joe. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I, she has a lot of saying yeah. things, but at the same time in the movie industry, there are so many people who are touching this product before it comes out mm-hmm. to us. Like, it's honestly, it's not Joe's fault. She wrote the screenplay as she intends it. And, I, I mean, you everybody knows how much I love Order of the Phoenix, and that was, like, David Yates' first showing, and I... I like him, I like what he brings to the films, but he is known to take a lot out. So... And for what? Right. You know? Yeah, and it's like, especially when this is all we get, like, it was one thing when it was a book-to-movie, because we still had the books, but, like, this is all we're getting, so, like, don't you dare cut out stuff that is important. (laughs) Is it, though? I don't know. You she'll backtrack? Maybe. That would be cool, but... I mean, here, here's how I feel. I'm Joe, right? I have all these things in my head. And people want to tell me, okay, you only have so long for this movie, right? We can only include so many things. They have to be the big, the big hit things, right? Mm-hmm. You only have five films to do this in. Okay, now I'm feeling like my world and my characters, my person is being chopped up and pieced out. How am I going to fix that myself? 
I'm going to novelize it. Yeah. Dear Joe? <laughs> I will say that when when she first started writing, like I'm I'm assuming like an outline of like what she wanted to tell. She was only planning on doing three movies, but there was so much information that she d- she's like, no, I need five. We're still so not getting originally... the information, you know. Well, I mean, and we have to think about it too that we're there's three more movies coming, and that's part of like my thing is like, did I love the movie? Yeah, it was all right. I'm I'm grateful for the information that we got but i i need to see like the whole picture and i'm just seeing a piece of it so yeah. i'm still excited to see what else we're gonna get but i also trust joe that like she's gonna give it to us we just have to wait and i'm not a patient person so oh preach i'm just i i wonder <laughs> if it's gonna i wonder if it's gonna turn into more than five films honestly because just at this rate with like all the information that we were missing from this film that like in interviews and stuff, like, the actors have talked about, oh, we filmed it got cut, we filmed this scene, it got Mm -hmm. cut. Like, just based on that, like, there's already so much that's gotten cut. Where's she gonna put that if she was already only planning three more films? I mean, it could turn into six. Like, I don't know. That's, I think it might turn into six. Not that this matters too much, but with cutting scenes, they talked about how they filmed this scene for, like, days that it was, like, right at, like, a certain time of sunset with these croissants. And they were, like, one that was our favorite scene to shoot. And they were saying those are the best croissants they ever had in their lives. But the scene got cut. They're, like, so... And it was more than one person. Like, um, I know the girl that played Nagini, her first name is Claudia. Claudia Kim. Um, was saying, she goes, those croissants were amazing. That was my favorite scene. Like, a couple other people were, like, it was a, an amazing, beautifully set scene. But they could only film for, film it, like, for five minutes a day because of the sunset. I heard that cut. they filmed it for weeks. Like that's it what I'm was, saying, it was a long time. It was a time. long like, time. time. I mean, consuming. weeks. Every day they would go at that time to film. Where five can to I get ten these minutes. croissants at Paris? The <laughs> food there is very delish. Um, my question also is, how much uh, did this make at the box office in comparison to the? Not yeah. nearly, not nearly. As that much. also worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. If these films aren't successful, are they going to cut down how many are in the series? But I wonder, like, so with um, George Lucas, when he made the first three Star Wars movies, like made a deal because he was, again, was like Joe, he was writing like the script and everything he wanted to do. And he was only going to do one movie and it turned into three. Yeah, and he went to them, and he's like, "I'm only gonna like sign the contracts and all this stuff if you let me. No matter how much this first movie makes, because he didn't think it was gonna do well. Like he's like, it's no one's gonna really want to watch this, but I want these to be made. Yeah, so he made them sign a contract that no matter how well the first one did or didn't do well, like in the box office, that all three were gonna be made. So I wonder if she made that kind of deal, being like, so no matter what, these are still, being done. Yeah. I mean, they still I made mean, a, a, it. Still made a crazy amount of money, but like not nearly as much as the first one. I think it's I, made six hundred million. I mean, I know that that. I mean, that's. I'd say that's enough to keep going. Sure, it's probably it's not as much as the Potter ones, clearly, but it's it's close enough where I would say that she's safe right now. Still, yeah. Well, hopefully she made a deal because I need all of these to be made. And Star Wars got made into novels, so I'm just saying. All right. Did you write them, though? Uh, probably not. Um, I mean, they probably just used his... There's tons... Well, I mean, there's just tons of Star Wars movies. I mean, there are, but there's also tons of books. Yes. Um, no, I don't think he wrote all of them. I mean, I could be wrong. Somebody call me out. I'm, I'm no Star Wars expert, so... So, how about... Yeah. Dumbledore. Tell me your feelings about him. He is yummy. <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel about like him and Grindelwald like them you know what I mean like the blood packed all that stuff I enjoyed it I'm glad that it's um, something different um, in relation to like an unbreakable vow because we know mm-hmm. that obviously this can be broken in some kind of way mm-hmm. um, kudos to Sarah for I don't remember if I called it a blood packed or not but I knew it was some type of like I wondered I should say back in that episode it's a spit packed so. <laughs> I one would say it's bloody brilliant. Ooh. You're welcome. You're on it today. Um no, I thought it was I I liked it and I liked that you could feel the tension. You know, they told us we weren't really going to get anything about their relationship within 
this movie, but you could feel it. Oh, yeah. At least from with those Dumbledore, scenes, I think. The Mirror of Erised, for sure. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I gotta say, I feel like their, quote, relationship was always one-sided. <laughs> I don't oh, think... Oh, it, yeah, no, it didn't change how I felt. We know that Grindelwald is a sweet talker. Um, we know that he sweet talks Credence all the time, um, especially in the first film. And I definitely think that... Grindelwald is a kind of person that will just do and say to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was any um, romantic feelings for him, but he acted like there mm. was. Yeah, I think I his think goal was to get his goal. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> was he to get the blood packed. If you can't feel that with credence, woo, check well, yourself. Well, even. Even in this one, like, when when Queenie asks um, Rosie or whatever her first name is, and she's like, oh, are you guys, like, together? She's like, we're just very, very close. Like, he's going to be manipulative with everyone. Like, everyone. Saying it with, yeah, saying whatever they want to hear. And, like, if he needs to put on a little charm, I mean, that's He would manipulate a tree if he had to. Mm -hmm. He would turn it on for that tree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that's who he is, but yeah, um, I like to see that. I'm excited to see more. You know, how about the the brother Scamander plus their love interest? Yeah. <laughs> do you think? I mean, like, how did you feel about it? Is essentially what I'm asking. What do you mean? Like, uh, what's her face? You, like, what do you think about their little love triangle going on? I don't think it was a love triangle for Newt. No, I don't think so either. But I don't I think so that Lita was confused, th- to say the least. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Lita was still completely in love with Newt, for yeah, sure. for sure. And it kind of makes me wonder if she was with his brother just to be closer to Newt. Yeah. Lovely. I hope not, because it breaks my heart for him. Like, yeah. I, going into yeah, the movie, I think I was going to like him. People do that, you know? Theseus. Also, the dude art, well... When I say our age, he's like, I believe it, born in the 90s. He's six years younger, the guy that plays Theseus. And he looks younger, too, than Newt. So that yeah. throws me off that he is the older brother. But just a random fact. But no, I don't... I, I, I think maybe if Newt had any kind of feelings, they were over when he saw um, Tina. Yeah, for sure. He's got a pretty mm-hmm. big soft spot for Tina. Oh, my God. And I just love watching Eddie... Eddie, uh, play him because he just, he, he makes my heart melt. Mm-hmm. He is so stinking cute. And mm-hmm. I love the salamander eyes. Yes. It was so cute. It was. It was just, it was amazing. I loved it. And my final that? question that's going oh, to lead shoot. into you How do you feel about McG, my friend? Chew doing at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> episode title (laughs) (laughs) there's probably more one-liners to come um yeah let's let's just get on into that what is uh mcg doing at hogwarts y'all well hogwarts is how you just said that hogwarts hogwarts i knew you were gonna say it that's why i did (laughs) (laughs) honestly Give me your thoughts. I'm going to go to Sarah first with this because you have your whole little timeline going on. Big timeline. Well, and you're the best with dates. So um, I, I want to go first. first. want to tell people that like it says, I believe, not only in the credits, but in the book, um, that it's McGonagall. Correct. It is Minerva. Uh, so we, yeah, sorry. That's what I meant to say. It is Minerva. So we know it's her. Um, and I don't know if you put in the article that, like, I read about... The old Pottermore? It, well, like... Oh, I don't know. It, did the old Pottermore say 1938? Right. Okay. Because, here's the thing. Hold on. So, in... <laughs> I, well, I'm gonna tell you my little timeline. This is what we believe to be true. Give it to me. So far, but we don't know yet. So, basically, we know that, um... She was quizzed by Umbridge in book five about how long she had been teaching there. And she said like 30, she'd been there 35 years. We'd also known that she had teached. Nope. That's not even proper words. She, after she left Hogwarts, she graduated and then she spent like a summer at home and then moved to London to work at the ministry for two years. So 
as of right now, pre this movie coming out, we knew that she went to Hogwarts, graduated, spent a summer at home in Scotland, and then um, she went to work at the ministry for two years and then went back to Hogwarts to teach. Right. And then we see this movie come out and she's there. Uh, she's there in 1927 when we go back and they yes. see her with Dumbledore and all that stuff. And she's a teacher because yes. he calls her Professor McGonagall. Right. Um, so, like, how can that happen if she was born? If you did the math, it was 1938. So that was, you know, she'd be born right around now, basically. Or, you, you know what I mean? So, my thing is... Where there are you was getting 1938 from doing your if math? If you do the math. Okay. Because... If you do the math of 35 years, subtract it from 19... Uh, 1995 I believe so you subtract 35 years then two years after that and that's when she graduated Hogwarts then you know when you're 17 so seven yeah well the article that I pulled said that her birth year was established as 1935 in the old Pottermore okay so that's it okay so So then she changed it well because then someone (laughs) said there was like an article because in that book it said she grew up in, like, the early 1900s, right? Yeah. So, you could say that she, like, was born in 1900 and grew up in the early 1900s. But other people have, like, theories. Which you talk about, Tiffany. Okay, hold on. There's a video in my article. So, yes, Megan. Um, so, there, I, I don't see this article posted in the doc from you, but Hypable had a really good one. Okay, yeah, no, I don't have that one. That says, when was McGonagall born? Canon might suggest 1889, not 1935. Um, So, how? how? And it says, uh, why fans thought McGonagall was born in 1935. People assumed, basically, she was born in 1935 by calculating, just like Sarah was talking about the quote from Order of the Phoenix. Um, This scene takes place in 1995. So then you subtract, and then with the information from the short story book on um, the ebook, sorry, uh, that kind of assumes that maybe she was born in 1935 and enrolled in 1947 at Hogwarts. Um, but that's only by looking at these two quotes. Um, so if you have more information to consider now there's a significant evidence that points to McGonagall being born much earlier than that and it says uh, witches and wizards are known to have a much longer life expectancy than muggles so we know this from Albus and Aberforth Dumbledore Bethilda Bagshot on and on and on so a 60 year old witch would not be considered old when you have characters like Aberforth running around at age 110 um running around (laughs) it says here in the harry potter series both hermione and madame pomfrey seem to consider professor mcgonagall as old and frail potentially making her well over a hundred um so hermione in order the phoenix says it'll be his giant blood said hermione shakily it's very hard to stun a giant they're like trolls really tough but poor professor mcgonagall four stunners straight in the chest and she's not exactly young is she and then Madame Pomfrey says in order the Phoenix as well. She was transferred to St. Mungo's this morning, four stunning spells straight to the chest at her age. It's a wonder they didn't kill her. Um, what is her age? So, like, that makes you question. Because, like, really in the Wizarding World, 60 would not make you old. Old. That would be, like, so, our, like, 35, 40, right? Kind of. Yeah. My only thing with that, it still doesn't make any sense that she would be... A professor at Hogwarts when Newt and Tina, like, or not Newt and Tina, Newt and Lita are there, like, in her flashback when she, like, does whatever to the girl because they're talking smack about her. And then they, like, run for Professor McGonagall because she's younger than they are because Newt was born in 87. Yeah. No, 1897. Right. But they're suggesting she was born in 89 and Newt was born in 97, right? So that would make her, like, 12 years? No. Nine years older than him, I think. Um, it says, McGonagall seems to have been close with Albus Dumbledore even before he confronted Grindelwald in 1945. So that's kind of questionable, too, because, like, if she really was born in 1935, that would only make her 10. So how would she know Dumbledore at that point? Um, because mm-hmm. there's a quote from the 
short story or the ebook that says Albus Dumbledore offered both comfort and wisdom. He told Minerva some of his own family history previously unknown to her. The confidences exchanged that night between two intensely private and reserved characters were to form the basis of a lasting mutual esteem and friendship. Minerva McGonagall was one of only a handful of people who knew or suspected how dreadful a moment it was for Albus Dumbledore when, in 1945, he made the decision to confront and defeat the dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then lastly, sorry, one last thing. No, you're good. It says that McGonagall did not teach Tom Riddle which kind of makes me believe that there may have been a leave of absence from Hogwarts for her. I because, agree. That's yeah. my thing. Like, I, I think that she never says when she's talking to Umbridge, like, she consecutively taught there. So, like, Ooh. there is a chance that she did leave. Like, she I like taught a little that. bit, left, and maybe when she left, because do we know, because I know we know that Dumbledore taught Transfiguration, because he at least taught it to McGonagall. Mm-hmm. Yes, Could he, he teach did. Transfiguration to... Um, uh, Voldemort. I wanted, really wanted to call him Credence, which is not who he is. I would assume so, because he was a professor of Transfiguration at the time that Voldemort was in Hogwarts. But that's what I'm saying. Was he? Because as of right now, like he in 1927, defense. he's teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts. But he just lost that oh. position. They just told him he wasn't allowed to teach it anymore, remember? But, so I bet yeah, you he did go back to Transfiguration. Is, my thing is that, like, they tell him that they put the cuffs on him, and then the cuffs come off at the end of the year. Or True. not the end of the movie, I mean. Yeah. So, did he teach it while she was there, and then she takes her leave of absence? Like, he taught Defense Against the Dark Arts while McGonagall was there. McGonagall takes her leave of absence, and then he goes back to teaching Transfiguration. Possibly. If he taught it to Voldemort. Tom Riddle. Whatever his name is. That bro. That bro. <laughs> I think also, that I just think know? that there's a Sorry. lot of there's a lot of I'm sure purposeful uh, bits of information throughout all the things that we have to read that that don't give us an exact time frame because I know some people don't want to believe it but I really do believe that Joe has known for a long time these character stories and where they go and how they are and all that kind of stuff and uh, I'm sure that this was done purposefully that we're not able to track down her actual timeline because mm-hmm. she wanted to tell this story a different way. So, but and here's like, my thing. Even if she didn't have all of this stuff written out for 20 years, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Who are we to say anything about that though? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Us I as know. a fandom, everybody needs to just slow your roll. I'm going to say that. I'm Give me with heat, you. Whatever. Calm yourself. This is not your world. This yep. is hers. <laughs> Girl, I feel you. I feel I feel the same <laughs> An- way. Another part um, of her kind of like omitting some information, like on Pottermore, she has a bunch of families, family trees, but I don't think she has Dumbledore's. She doesn't have the Lestrange's. Like there's certain ones that she doesn't have on there probably because it's going to be part. We're mm-hmm. going to find more out information and she doesn't want to give us too much now. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. No, you owe me a Coke. I have one last tiny little tidbit of information about McGonagall that I think, I think I want to say kind of proves our point of an absence, potentially. Um, I like, I like that absence thing. Yeah. So this is from one of the eBooks. I I think that, I think that McGonagall's mentioned in two of them, but so I'm not sure which one this is, but um, it says her attitude was undoubtedly hardened by the intrusion of Hogwarts... The intrusion at Hogwarts of Dolores Jane Umbridge, a ministry inspector and defense against the dark arts teacher with whom Minerva clashed more violently than any other colleague in her long and varied career. So based on the information that we have, her career doesn't sound very varied. However, the fact that it says that must say that there is some other variant we don't know of. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would love it if she went and studied somewhere or went yeah. off as a cat and did some cat stuff. I don't <laughs> want to do that. You want to do cat stuff? Lived as a house cat with some family. <laughs> well, I bet she did. Rebels. I bet you she did a lot of um, spying for like Dumbledore and like the good side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like, think what so if that was her like job? Mm-hmm. What if that was her role, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cat, cat spy. She did teach Lily um, and James, we know, though, for yeah. sure. Like, the mar- she was definitely there for the Marauders period. So she came back even while, like, the war was brewing. 
Um, mm-hmm. But leading up to that, who knows, like, what Dumbledore had her up to. Look at all the stuff Dumbledore's yeah. got Newt up to right now. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I will say so. Hagrid through holy cow. Pulling, um, yeah. pulling like information out today because there was another theory that we're going to talk about in in the next episode with um, the duel between Grindelwald and Dumbledore in 1945. Someone was like, "Oh, it's not actually a duel. They don't duel. They just kind of like have a thing because of the blood pact." But I was like, I wanted to see if she used that exact wording, so I was reading a lot, not a lot, but like a bit in. Um, in uh, Deathly Hallows. I'm really excited to get to that book because I was like, ooh, it's so much information that, like, it pertains to, like, stuff we are learning now with this movie that, like, it correlates because then I was, like, reading The Life and Lies and and reading, like, that's really when we hear about Dumbledore and Grindelwald and all that fun, fun stuff. But tell us more about your thing that you pulled, Tiffany. Okay. So, (laughs) beating around the bush that whole time. There is a theory out there that the reason why we see McGonagall so young at this time teaching at Hogwarts is because she used a time turner from the ministry to go back. I already see people have opinions. (laughs) Just peppers. And peppers about this issue. So, um... So it says maybe that the ministry uh, permitted her to use a time turner to travel back a decade or two to help cover some lessons. Or there was one that said she wanted to study more with Dumbledore by using the time turner. I was like, mm. can you do that as an adult? So I don't, I'd be really, really upset if it was a time turner. Because like, yeah. time turner is the main focus of Cursed Child. Mm. Um, mm. So to do that, and it's a main focus of one of the Potter books. So yeah. to do that, like, she does it. right. Yeah. And to do it in the way that these people are theorizing is not exciting to me at all. No. So I hope it would not. Just, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have a hard no on this theory. Uh, <laughs> I will be extremely upset if this is the so- the solution. Yeah. Resolution. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that it is because, yeah, I, we don't see Joe reuse many things like that. I mean, she makes correlations to things that she's done, which I'll get to that with Queenie, I think, maybe. Um, but I, I just can't see her. That, that would be a cop out, in my opinion. And like... It doesn't, like Katie said, like, it's not exciting to be like, oh, I wanted to go back and study with Dumbledore. Like, why even put her in there? Like, that's not important to the story. Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with it. It would just be so random Mm -hmm. and, like, just a stupid thing to say just to have her face and her name be in there as, like, a cameo. Um, Yeah. Like, they would drive me insane. Yeah. I I am. Like, I probably would not want to watch the rest of the movies if that's what it turned out to be. be All right. Yeah, really against it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were saying originally that it maybe it was like a relative of hers, but no, this is no. It's it literally says in, it says in the screenplay. In the, screenplay the class laughs. The door opens. Travers, Theseus, and four other oars enter. Young Minerva McGonagall behind them. So yeah. it says in the book, Pretty and true. we know that she was named after her great grandmother. Her grandmother on her dad's side, and her dad was a Muggle. So. And her mom's name is Isabel, so that's yeah. not... Yeah, and that. it can't yeah. be, like, her... So her dad's side, which holds the name McGonagall, is the muggle side of her family. Yeah. So, like, Correct. it can't be an aunt or something like that. That doesn't... Unless they're, like, I guess unless they're muggle-born, but I, again, would kind of feel like that would be a cop-out answer. <laughs> if they're like, oh, there just happens to be another Minerva McGonagall, like, distantly related. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that would just be ridiculous. It's It has to be her. Yeah. Just totally random, but in that sil- same scene with like the kid that he like makes him fly back and sit in the armchair, his last name is McLagan, but mm-hmm. it's spelled a little bit different than the kid that McCormick's last name. We one spelled with a one spelled with an A. Oh. So I was like, I wonder if they're related. They're I, they, I don't know. I don't think they are because their names are names. Their names are spelled different. Their names are lame. Clearly. That's kind of disappointing. I wanted them yeah, to be related. Me too. <laughs> Like, why? Sometimes names change spelling. That's yeah. true, actually. My, ma- I mean, my maiden name did. I'm not grasping at straws there or anything. <laughs> um, but it, all in all, I will say when I first heard about her being in it, and before I really read anything that could possibly change my mind, I was like, 
I'm I'm not a big fan. I'm not on board. Um, I'm not I'm not one of those people that likes things in the movie just to like yeah like Easter egg kind of things like like that that are just in there for no reason like mm-hmm. if they don't make any sense. Um, but after reading the article where like she could be born earlier, like significantly earlier than we thought, like I'm like okay if that's really how it happens, I'm okay with that. I don't don't use a time turner. I don't like it. Honestly, guys, I don't I don't think she will. No, I don't think I so hope either. Not. Down with yeah. time turners. I I think that this timeline that we were kind of like figuring out with her possibly being born in 1889 really could make sense. And I think that people need to give this uh, need to give this a chance. Let yeah. her answer. Let her answer for this before you just like get really mad at Joe mm-hmm. about this. I think that it really is going to make sense, and I think. It's purposeful that we don't know a lot about McGonagall's background. Like, yeah. her, Every, her timeline, like, yeah, yeah, her year timeline, mm-hmm. at least. I and mean, we do, in fact, know a lot about her background, but we don't know specific dates and times. So, mm-hmm. um, just be patient. It's gonna, it's gonna play out. But I think that it works, and I like it. Yeah. If McGonagall... Well, like, and another thing... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Katie, you go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You go. It was stupid. No, it <laughs> wasn't. Stupid. I was going to say, Go if ahead, McGonagall no, can sit on a wall all day and be patient, <laughs> so can you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true, though. That's the thing, guys. When has Joe ever, like, not had purpose behind what she does? Yeah, never. She never. always has a purpose for everything. So we just need to sit back. And this is the stuff we said was the good stuff, right? We talked about how we miss theorizing. And how it was exciting not to know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're living it. So I just know. embrace it. Because you only get to do this so much with your favorite series. Go ahead. So we did say, like, the OG Pottermore site had her birthday as 1935. October 4th, yes. Yeah, and her birthday is still October 4th. Right. My biggest thing is, like, we've said time and time again, like, this is Joe's world. She's also allowed to change her mind. Yeah, like, true. We don't, as much as we think we have a hold on this, it's nobody's story but hers. Correct. So, like, if she decides, and it makes sense, where she could fit it in and have her birthday be whenever, like... Yep. I'm okay with it, because it's her world and I'm just living in it. True. Oh, <laughs> so. I'm I'm right there with you. I yep, don't hate I it. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath to see what's going to happen. I just hope she doesn't let me down. I mean, we've got three she more. We've She's got three never more. really let me down. So she did once to me. Well, I mean, like, yeah, there's obviously parts of the story where I'm like, this makes me sad. But I mean, I'm not disappointed in anything she's written. Like she wrote it for a purpose and she had her purpose and I love it. So, yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. Any final thoughts on McGee? Nope. I like her. Yep. Yeah. Someone say that you would call her a cool cat. (laughs) After doing the Felix Files on McGonagall and now this, like, I really like her. Minus her whole point issues, you know, how I feel about her points. But besides that, like, she is a cool cat. Meg, you're not allowed to like her because you gave her so much hell. You just said a bad word. one of my faves. Beep. Whatever. H-E double hockey sticks. Okay. I know how to spell. Do we want to talk about Queenie? No. All right. Let's move on right meow. Oh, that was perfect. So, like, before I dive into these really cool, crazy theories, can I just want everybody's first reactions. Do you think she's a double agent? No. 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 I don't know. I'm kind (laughs) of... Okay. I'm going to try and convince you with this Reddit article. It is legit and makes a lot of sense. So, shout out to... Borsati Hermione on Reddit. They are in the this is like the fan theory uh, Harry Potter board fan theories on Reddit. Um, So they think that Queenie is Snape 2.0 and (laughs) or I guess really Snape is Snape 2.0 right because this happens first but no no, Snape is Queenie. 2.0. Yeah, right? Snape's actually Queen 2.0. She's first. (laughs) Um, So we do know that both of them, well, it's kind of, it's so it's difficult. So Queenie's gift of reading minds 
it was a gift. She can do this. It's not something she had to learn. It is just something she was born with. However, with Snape, he did have to learn it. Mm-hmm. So he learned how to be illegitimate. He learned occlumency. Ocul- that word always stumbles me up. <laughs> um, but Queenie, it was just, it's just a part of her. So that is their two biggest differences. However, I think what is interesting, um, and they say here, Abernathy is the key to understanding the behavior of Queenie and Tina in this film. So I complained a lot about Queenie's character development and um, I feel like we missed out on a lot. And I think yeah. that a lot of her character development happened from Abernathy. And the reason why I think that that is the case, because we know that Abernathy is kind of somewhat of like a supervisor to the Goldsteins at Makuza. Um, so he kind of like oversees what they do. And it's so and we know Queenie can read his mind. Uh, because she has, she did in the first film. So why wouldn't she be able to read his mind now while mm-hmm. he is playing Grindelwald in the cell, right? So he yeah. takes over for Grindelwald and he's in the cell. So here's the theory. So once Abernathy started acting strange and finally disappeared in order to serve Grindelwald and take his place in prison, Tina and Queenie, Queenie possibly caught on to what was happening due to... Queenie being able to um, hear what's going on in Abernathy's head. So therefore, she and her sister knew more about, knew more than most others about Grindelwald's plan and perhaps even how Credence was a part of it. Uh, I think that obviously Tina always knew that Credence was a part of Grindelwald's plan from the first movie. She could tell that he clearly was attracted to him in some way for whatever he was. Um... But now that Queenie can read Abernathy's mind and he's turning to Grindelwald's side, possibly the information that the both of them gather kind of give them this conclusion. So Queenie, when the escape happened, the sisters end up hatching a plan to go to Paris to find Credence and save him from being killed by Aurors from the ministries of several countries, such as the Ministry of Magic in Great Britain and the Ministry of Magic in France. Mm-hmm. Um because it kind of seems almost like Tina's on her own mission a little bit. Yeah. She doesn't really seem to have um, guidance from Makuza at any stage of this film. She's just kind of over there searching for Credence on her own. Do we even know how she knows that he's alive still? Is she employed by the ministry still? Yes, by she's an Auror. She's an Auror. Yeah. Now. But they don't seem to really care where she is. Craps where she's at. (laughs) Exactly. So I kind of am wondering if like Queenie and Tina came up with this plan to kind of like, yeah, she's still employed, but she's just kind of like disappeared. And Queenie's poster says whereabouts unknown. So like, is that because Makuza doesn't know where they are? Um, And they're just kind of like on their own mission together. Um, So they also plan to enlist the help of Newt, and obviously we know that how that happens is Queenie shows up with Jacob at his flat in London, and they're just in his life again, and he just accepts it because he's happy to have them there, and he it's a connection to Tina, and he's all about it. So yeah. um, it's important to note that Tina and Queenie gain new knowledge by becoming friends with Newt. So Tina was present at Newt's interrogation at Makuza, so she knows he wasn't really in New York for Appaloosa Puffskins or even his Thunderbird Frank. It was mostly a cover story for his mission on behalf of Dumbledore. Um, So following Newt's example, the sisters developed their own cover story for their trip to Europe. So Tina going to Paris as her Auror self, seeking out Credence, as she always has, and as Grindelwald would fully expect her to. Um, Queenie travels to England on the pretense of marrying Jacob, but really only to recruit Newt to help them. So Queenie purposefully leaves the torn up Paris postcard in the London house for Newt to find so that he could join the sisters in their mission in Paris. Uh, It seems like too much of a coincidence in Paris when Queenie enters the ministry just after Rosier and her former boss Abernathy. You think she can't read Abernathy's mind, even though he's using Polyjuice Potion to be this old lady pushing a cart? So... It's it's just kind of interesting looking, like, reading this and then looking back at scenes from the film. Was it purposeful that Queenie was there and happened to drop all of her stuff 
in the direction of those two as they're walking by. She can probably read their minds. Rosier does speak English. Um, I know that she doesn't necessarily always speak it or think it, though. So, like, maybe she can't understand her, but she could definitely understand Abernethy's thoughts at that time. Um, and let me see. Things have to have gone a little haywire, however, when Queenie drank the tea at Grindelwald's hideout, possibly, and came under his manipulative influence at this point. So I wonder if, like, maybe that wasn't in the cards, that wasn't expected. Um, Mm -hmm. so that could have kind of, like, thrown the plans a little bit off. Um, but I think that the theory with, like, her tracking Abernathy makes sense. And I think that she was trying to possibly be a double agent in that sense, where she's keeping tabs on Abernathy, and she knows that he's involved with Grindelwald. Um, so, like, in a way, she she is a double agent, but at this, at this, I don't know. Okay, hold on. Before I go on, does anybody have anything to say about that theory? <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> I know it's a lot, but, like... Honestly, everything they were saying, I was just like, oh, wow, that makes sense. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I don't know. The beauty of Potter is, like, almost anything can make sense. So, like, you could really, you could really almost convince somebody of any theory. And this, I think this one's included. It could happen. I mean, it could be totally possible because the fact that Queenie could read his mind Mm-hmm. I think that's really yeah. important because for a while Abernathy wasn't Abernathy; he was Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting. Yeah, and I don't fully understand all... the magic they used with that. Yeah, yeah. But aside from all of this, right? How and when has it ever happened that a character who is so sweet and cheerful? like her, ever gone so completely dark. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a good point. I I mean, if you think of, like, Anakin Skywalker, I guess. He was a cute little kid, right? Goes super dark. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I just think that I, I know you love Queenie, but I think it would be so, like, amazing if her character just completely fell 100% dark side. It would be interesting. I'm not against it. I think it would be really, really cool. I just think, like, it shows you... Because I still... I'm not, like, really on board because, like, when she meets Newt for the first time, she's like, I have trouble, like, reading your kind, basically, like, with anybody with an accent. She says it's more difficult for her, is essentially what I gathered when she said that to him, to hear their thoughts. But, like, I think it shows the power of... Grindelwald being able to manipulate them so much that he knows the words and how to say it and you know to make her think he's going to give her exactly what he wants when really he's just going to end up using her because he knows what she can do yeah I think um so like I think that there are so many different directions that her character could take oh yeah so like she could be the double agent spy like Snape she could be you know, fully good still, like, have great intentions, um, and it's his manipulation that is like, oh, yeah, this sounds good, but her Mm -hmm. heart is still pure, you know? Um, Or she could just totally go down the rabbit rabbit hole of being evil through his manipulation. The rabbits are so advanced, they don't have a hole, they have a hole now. Yeah, okay. Ah! (laughs) Well... They do, like, there's that saying that like, the road to hell was paved in good intentions, so she could very well have all the good intentions in the world, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it, it she is just wants good, to yeah. marry yeah. the man that she mm-hmm. loves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, like, there's nothing wrong with that, so I get where she's coming from, but at the same time, like, I, I think that when he at-, at least thought, like, thought that she was crazy, like, that was the end of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she still loved him, and she still wanted to try. And then she hears all these wonderful things that Grindelwald's willing to give her, being like, "I'm going to be able to make sure that you can marry him." Blah blah blah. Even though he called you crazy, I'm not a big fan of him right now. But well, both I have I, I have two things on it. The first one I forgot, but the second part <laughs> when he caught when he thinks that she's crazy, and then he says it or whatever. There's got to be more than that. Mm-hmm to her than just mm-hmm. someone calling you crazy. So, oh, for yeah. example, if Marty would be like, you're crazy, I'd be like, okay. But he didn't say it like that. 
But but you know what I'm saying. If he called me crazy, it was a heated thing. Okay, that's one thing. But if I had been, if I had that word used against me over mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. and over again in my life, that she's got a backstory with that word. That has a Definitely. particular meaning for her. Well, and I bet you he knows it too. If they legitimately were like so in love and wanted to be married, mm-hmm. he knows that. Yeah. And so he's purposefully, in my mind, using that to hurt her, which is messed up. Don't do that. Yeah. I, I think also, though, that. He, he, I think he struggles to find another word to use because, like, I don't think that he, he obviously doesn't, at least I don't think he means it in the way that other people meant it. Uh, but I think that he's just trying to get across to her that she's not thinking straight. Right. Right. I don't think he purpose, personal opinion, I don't think he purposefully meant to hurt her. I just think that was his natural reaction. Yeah. To be like, you're being crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. Well, not that it's really the same, but it also reminds me of when Snape calls Lily a mudblood. Mm-hmm. Similar, not the same, but not like she same, takes it yeah. that way being like, you used a word that's so hurtful to me, regardless of how, so. yeah. yeah, like that's how, and maybe that really is what solidifies Queenie's decision to be like, nah, I'm walking through the flames, even yeah. though she still wants him to come with her. Love's yeah. a crazy thing, my friends. Isn't it, though? I, like, um, I think that Hypable has really put out some, like, really good theory articles, and there's another one that talks about, so a lot of people, a lot of people's qualms, is that I think the right word? I don't know. Against the whole Queenie going to the dark side quote is that it doesn't make sense. That is just, like, everybody is like, no, it doesn't fit her character. It doesn't make sense. Okay. You don't I know. think it makes perfect sense. I well, love it. I agree. And I, I love it. This they posted this article that says Queenie's hold on, what is the title? It says uh, why Queenie joining Grindelwald makes sense for her character. Title makes sense. Uh, so it goes on to say the result is that many viewers might have felt blindsided by Queenie's ultimate decision to join Grindelwald, seemingly without any remorse at all. Um, But why Queenie joined wasn't out of character for her. What we saw was something that happens often in history. Uh, Grindelwald is not the same kind of villain we're used to seeing in Voldemort. Mm -hmm. He's clever, manipulative, extremely persuasive. Even more persuasive is the fact that he wields truth and compassion to rally witches and wizards to a misguided cause. Um, What does that sound like? Hitler. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like all leaders of racist movements, Grindelwald persuades vast numbers of people to do the unspeakable by oversimplifying the truth. All the problems of the world are because the magical world hasn't controlled muggles, and so wizarding governments must be overthrown and replaced by a more authoritative one. So for Queenie, who spent so many years living in fear because of her relationship with Jacob and the fact that she has legitimacy, a lot of what Grindelwald is saying, like, rings true to her. She was against the current government that ruled, you know, that she can't marry Jacob. And the prospect of a second world war is also terrifying, not only for her, but for her husband, because he, well, her boyfriend, because he won't marry her. But, it, you know, it's terrifying <laughs> for him, too. The boyfriend. <laughs> because he doesn't want to go in another world war. He already lived through one. He knows what that's like, and he doesn't want that to happen again. Um, so she has a hunger for truth and was desperate to be appreciated for her skills. Yes, Sarah. All I want to say, and I know I've said this probably a million times when we ended up on this topic, with him being persuasive, Hitler was elected. Like, that's how persuasive he was. You know, he preyed on all those people's fears and all of the things, and Mm. he was so, like... Fear. He was was able to do it. Yeah. Yes. Fear-mongering. He was able to do all of those things, and people liked him, and they liked him enough to vote him into office. And so, like, that's something that I think that people forget. You know, that they he just didn't become a dictator or became all of those things just from him taking over office. He was voted into it, which this is like it reminds me so much of Grindelwald being so persuasive and manipulative and charming and Mm -hmm. charismatic enough to do that. And, you know, a lot of psychopaths are also like that. Wasn't Ted Bundy really attractive? And he killed all those people. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you see that. (laughs) I'm just saying this is also things that remind me of like, you know. It's 
it's real life. You know uh. what I mean? Draws from real life. Katie. Um, I know someone. Ooh, sorry, I hit the microphone. This is going around on the internet, and I think someone posted in our group, and like I think it was meant to be sort of funny, but it rings really true with this series. It's like when you're hearing a villain do their monologue, and you're thinking, "Huh." If I didn't know that Grindelwald was a dark, bad wizard, if you didn't see him kill people, if you didn't know, and you show up to that thing, and you hear the way he preaches, and then he manipulates those auras to do exactly what he wants, and mm-hmm. one of his followers ends up getting killed, if you're looking at it from that perspective, he looks absolutely correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. That yeah. blows my mind. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I even, we even talked about it, Sarah. Yeah. Like how- yeah. yeah. I, I had friends text me being like, oh, no, I totally, I'm on board with him. And I'm like, what? But you know what he's going to do. But, like, that's that's the thing with us is that we know where this is going. Right. We know if what you, his real intentions are. Yeah. But if well, you didn't. Where would you go, you know? It's, it's, that's how persuasive it is where people mm-hmm. are like, no, like, I can see, I can see why people join his cause. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's scary. It's hard to take. It's really hard to take a step back because... And pretend like you don't know the future of the series, because if you're living in that moment and you're seeing the things that he's showing you, like the war and everything, I mean, imagine like, just, you know, imagine we're our age back at that time and our fathers were in the war, World War One. And then we see him show that I would be like, oh, my God, can we please do anything to make sure that they don't have to go Mm -hmm. back to that? Yes, I'm on board. Right. Like, it's it's realistic. Um, yeah. Fear. Right yeah. on your fear. Oh, yeah. And Queenie has so much fear right now. And that's why, like, he's using her. And I, he also obviously knows her powers um, mm-hmm. because he's using her to help him with credence. Yeah. There. Sarah, did you have something to say? Well, just, like, on her being herself, like, I think that she's such... So we know that she's a legitimate, but she even seems like like an empath kind of person where she's getting so not only is she feeling all these things herself but she's getting all the emotions from people around her because she could hear them so like i think that makes her also more vulnerable to being like i need something i need like the answer and she thinks the answer is grindelwald being able to make her life exactly what she wants it to be and really at the end of the day she just wants to be like have a family with jacob Mm -hmm. and she thinks that that her answer is grindelwald and he's going to give it to her and she's hoping that not only he's going to give her her answer, but all those other people that around her that are also fearing going back to the war and having muggles like ruin the planet. Which, yeah, can't say they're wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I I I understand. Yeah, um, I also liked in this article it says in the in the midst of her inner crisis, which already moved her to do drastic, alarming things such as cast a spell on Jacob, um, which seemed super out of character. Uh, Grindelwald's movement was like a breath of fresh air to her. So it was a way for the previously in her eyes cold world she lived in to finally change to something that she viewed as better. Um, And honestly, a lot of people viewed as better. And honestly, what Queenie wants is better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, that does make sense. I just want to be able to marry the love of my life. Um, yeah. So Queenie just, like, couldn't fathom the extent to which things could change for the worst. So, like, in her mind, they were already at their worst. She yeah. wasn't She wasn't viewing it's going to get worse. She was like, no, we're there. It's just going to yeah. get better. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. I really just want to say, though, that, like, I really feel like her character development sucked in this film. Like, they could have done so much more for her, and it's, like, her, honestly, her story was the most disappointing thing in Crimes of Grindelwald for me, because I felt like it was just cut short, and it was rushed. Now, let's go back. Take a minute, Meg. What if this is her intro build, intro to building her? I mean... I bet you're gonna get a ton of Queenie next movie. You're gonna get so so much Queenie, it's gonna make you sick! (laughs) I don't (laughs) think that's possible. I I don't (laughs) think she's gonna be in it at all. Oh, that could be true. What yes. if that happened? <laughs> what if there was like Queenie's on a mission? Don't ask about her. And that's yeah, all. like Hagrid, he's just gone for like all of Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> she shows up at the end with a dragon stake on her eye. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that Katie. Why do you say that? She's <laughs> like, oh, let me tell you about it. <laughs> tell you about I yes. 
I have one last kind of bizarre theory that probably won't take very long because, like, I don't think it's true, but I just think that it is Those are cool that people thought of this. Um, okay. So there is a potential plot line in Fantastic Beasts of maybe Queenie being Snape's grandmother. Barf. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just kidding that's weird though how yeah Give me reasoning Back it so up. it says here that they found this original theory in a video online from Seamus Gordon so shout out to him um but it says they start out with explaining exactly what legitimacy and occlumency are so legitimacy is described by Snape in the fifth book as the magical act of navigating through the many layers of a person's mind and correctly interpreting one's findings um, but occlumency is the power to close one's mind against legitimacy. So J.K. Rowling did say Snape had to train an, a slight natural ability. Queenie was born with a great talent, though she's not infallible. So just like comparing them. Um, it says here, uh, when I first saw Fantastic Beasts, I instantly fell in love with Queenie. She seemed a little ditzy at first, and one could easily judge her based on the fact that she seemed to be one of those women who cared more about how they looked rather than intelligence. This was qu- quickly proved wrong, however, and we learned that Queenie was much more intelligent than she let on. You're a is what quote is what Newt says, and she said, yeah, but I always have trouble with your kind, Brits. It's the accent. It says, hold on, sorry, I'm pausing here for a second... Um, and then they just said, who else do we know in the Harry Potter series um, that is similar to that? Uh, they are literally, o- they were often excluded from groups and made fun of literally because they were different, um, which I'm assuming happened to Queenie because, you know, of her whole thing with the word crazy. I'm guessing that that may have been a thing back at Ilvermorny, yeah. possibly. Um, maybe yeah. she was teased. Um, so they have that in common. Um Severus was also a very powerful Legilimens and Occlumens. He was able to shield his mind from Voldemort for an incredibly long time, and on doing so was part of the reason why Harry defeated Voldemort at all. I would go so far as to say he's the most powerful Legilimens of the Harry Potter series until we meet Queenie. Just do you hear me? Queenie's <laughs> better than Snape. Just kidding. I mean, I think that that's Ooh. true, but you don't have to think that's true. <laughs> Um, it, it says here, in order for Snape to have this ability, it would have had to have been passed down through genetics. We know that his mother's name was Eileen Prince and his father's name was Tobias Snape, but we're not focusing on Tobias. We're focusing on Eileen, more specifically who's Eileen's parents are. According to Pottermore, Prince isn't part of the sacred 28 pureblood families. So like Snape, this also means that Eileen could be half-blood or born from a person of magical ancestry and a muggle. Who do we know in Fantastic Beasts who doesn't mind and actually falls in love with a muggle by the end of the movie? That's right, it's Queenie. So, is that his grandparents? I think it's a stretch. G-ma, but Queenie. I just think I... it's interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Did you guys hear that there's a, an American wizard that's Quentin Kowalski? Yes. Have you guys heard about that? So I wonder, like, yes. Yeah. Um, So on Pottermore, when she was writing about um, the Quidditch World Cup in 2014, it was USA versus Jam, which is Jamaica. I just like that they have Jam. Um, But he's a chaser, and he was the U.S. chaser, Quentin Kowalski. Interesting. Which I think is, like, cool that maybe... We don't know if they're related. I don't think that's like something it's in canon or anything yet. Yeah. But it could. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think, I think it would be, be cool, cool because that means that they got to go back to America and live their life how they wanted in America. But we it might not be with Queenie. What if he meets another witch? True. Maybe she's not the witch for him. Maybe he witch, she marries witch. a prince and he marries someone else. And that really is Snape's grandma. And then they have oh, a queen. <laughs> <laughs> which which is a really great sandwich place which which is a good book by ronald Dahl, whatever his name is right ronald Dahl. Dahl. Yeah, that dude i said ronald ronald mcdonald Y'all get it together but i would like it if they quentin kowalski was like his relative it'd be like a little cute nugget that we would have gotten pre-movies like you know yeah. i like yeah. nugget as opposed to easter egg nuggets cuter i agree 
Nuggets are Delicious. chicken, which is meat. Tiffany, get out. <laughs> <laughs> the door's behind you. <laughs> Alright, kids. Tis all for part one. Yeah, we're coming with um, Katie and Sarah on some really heavy-hitting things from the movie, which I personally cannot wait to talk about because... Yeah, a lot of thoughts Ooh. on Credence and Dumbledore, so... Yes, and we're going to be doing that at my house rather than on Skype, and we're going to be getting to try our last coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chocolate. Yeah. Cherry. cherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charming yes. chocolate I am cherry. not kidding. I've been most excited for this coffee flavor, so... I think I'm going to hate it. So. I think I'm going to hey, like it a little bit. <laughs> you thought you were going to hate the blueberry... Well, I don't like cherries at all, like in anything, where I'll eat a blueberry muffin. I am also not a fan of chocolate in my coffee, and I can't drink hot chocolate, so I wonder if it's going to give me a headache. So we'll see. Oh, no. Just take a sip of someone so you try it. Yeah. Maybe don't have a whole cup. We'll make you a whole cup of something else. Well, I probably shouldn't be drinking it. I have to work the next day anyway, so. Yeah, but uh, shout out to Expedition Roasters. If anybody wants to go get some of their awesome house-themed coffees, you can just go to expeditionroasters.com. And then we have, and I'm desperately trying to find it here really quickly, we have a coupon code, and it is SWISHFLICK15. You get 15% off. So you should go buy some coffee because it's really delicious. I liked the Slytherin one the best. What was that called? Um, Caramel Crunch. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. liked the blueberry, the Ravenclaw one the best so far, and that was, like, Blueberry Cobbler or something like that. Yeah. I think the Slytherin's been my favorite. That was good, too, but... I'm just partial to Slytherin. The blueberry was just so different. I think that's why I liked it. You suck up. (laughs) Alright. Social Social media. media. (laughs) Um, So make sure that you join our Facebook discussion group. Uh, Swish and Flick Podcast group on Facebook. We're also Swish and Flick Podcast on Facebook and Swish Flickcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Swish Flickcast. And that is where you can gain access to the Felix Files. And we're doing our character breakdowns currently. We're on McGonagall. So check it out. Um, yes. And make sure that you check out our website too, swishflickcast.com. There is some cool merchandise on there. So for all you people who have extra spending money after Christmas, you should go buy some Swish merch. You go Swish treat, crazy. Treat yourself. Yeah. 2018. Almost no 19. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, that concludes this Scamander story. Thank you so much for listening and don't let the muggles get you down. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.